You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast, sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit LonoCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. And by Dizzy Pig Barbecue. Visit DizzyPigBarbecue.com, that's D-I-Z-Z-Y, Pig, B-B-Q.com. Use coupon KIME, that's K-E-I-M, I hope you know that, for 20% off your order. Good stuff, folks. Today, in a special edition of the podcast, I talked to ESPN Stefania Bell, who is a key part of the Project 11 documentary on quarterback Alex Smith. She knows as well as anyone the road Smith has traveled because she's been there with him just to get back on the field. Why she says people shouldn't be worried about his leg as much as they are. And then I talked to Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Will there be a quarterback competition? What players does he want to see the most when we finally can start watching practices this week? Also, don't forget you can read my work on ESPN.com. In addition to the Alex Smith stories on the site, I have another story up on Joe Theismann and his thoughts on Smith's return. He, of course, can relate as well as anyone. Later this week, I'll have a story on quarterback Dwayne Haskins' growth as a player. Before I get to Stefania, I wanted to give you a couple quick thoughts. One, It's great for Smith to reach this point coming off the PUP list. I am not ready yet to believe that he'll be a central part of the quarterback competition. I'm not sure anyone there is yet at that point either. Not based on my conversations with them. It's a step-by-step process for them, and this is just another one. As one person told me, there was only so much they could ascertain while he was working out on the sidelines and throwing with trainers. The only way they can really tell where he's at is to put him in full team work and in more drill situations to see how he can handle the pocket, to see how he's moving when things break down, and also just to watch him on his handoffs. I mean, that's a big part of what he has to do, too. He's got to be able to do them at a certain level and a certain speed. They're going to go slowly with him. We're talking about just doing some individual work right now, and they'll work their way up to full team situations and that, I don't know how long that's going to take, but I don't think it's going to be a very fast process. And that's why I think this remains Haskins' job. In truth, Haskins and Smith are competing for different things. Haskins is truly competing for a starting job and to prove himself. He's obviously Kyle Allen's there as well, but Haskins is there to compete for the starting job and to prove himself in the NFL. Smith is competing with himself to prove he could get back to this point. Anything else is gravy. Number two, I'll be curious to see Reuben Foster when we get out to practice this week to see how much he's really able to do and how he's moving around. I've talked to some of the organization who still aren't sure yet what to expect from him. They need to see stuff too. Heck, they haven't been in full pads yet. 
That doesn't happen until Tuesday, and that's when they'll start to get a much better feel on how guys really look. Until that point, yeah, some are going to look sharp here or maybe sharp there, but they're really not doing enough for anyone to emerge as some great storyline at this point as far as based on their play. So we'll get to see more of that starting this week, and that's when the fun stuff begins, folks. Number three, we had a chance to talk to receiver Terry McLaurin last week via Zoom, and I loved an answer he gave on working out with Odell Beckham. He said that Beckham asked him to watch him to watch Beckham run routes during those workouts and to give him any tips that, that McLaurin might have. McLaurin naturally asked him to do the same. What stood out to me is how McLaurin said he likes to be around like-minded people, guys who want to work hard and learn. That's what McLaurin has done. It's why he'll be a pro for a long time. And what he took away from watching Beckham was the suddenness with which he runs his route, but that he's not in a hurry when he does run his routes. So that's what McLaurin has worked on, using his speed, but also having control in the way he's coming in and out of routes. I haven't been around too many young guys who work on their craft at such an elite level as McLaurin. Not just that he works on it and and talks to people, but then he applies it on the field. That part, I think, is a lot harder, but it's why McLaurin has been such a pleasant surprise for Washington. Well, that's all I've got. Now, here's my conversation with ESPN's Stefania Bell. Now I'm joined by ESPN Stefania Bell, who was the documentary. She was a big part of putting that together with Alex Smith, Project 11, and a medical expert, and is just fantastic. Um, Stefania, thank you for joining me. I'm just curious, from an emotional and medical standpoint, what did it mean to you to see Alex come off the pup list? First, let's start from an emotional standpoint. Well, there's no way to not be rooting for this guy after spending so much time with him and watching him go through this recovery process. I guess it's different than your typical interview subject because we did right. spend so much time together that I just got attached. Uh, I was also just impressed more and more as time went on with his dedication to the whole process, his recovery. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. And also the relationship that he has with his family, with his wife and his kids, uh, and being able to witness that and how important that, that that family relationship is to his ability to recover. Now, I think there were many people who gave him much of a chance of setting foot on the field again. Wow. I remember when we aired project 11 on e60 was may 1st and the question i got when i did media around it at that time was uh this is an amazing story but really like what what are you really thinking about his chances of playing football i said look i've seen enough to tell you it's not going to be me who says that he can't uh as at this point it would not surprise me and so i think that gives you an idea of just what I had come to believe. And I put that in sort of the emotional and mental space, because if you ask me in the medical space, if I thought that it would be possible based on where we started, I certainly wouldn't have thought it possible uh, based on what right. when we came out of the hospital. So um, emotionally, I, I think I am, uh, I'm excited for him. 
I think he's earned this. I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. And I I feel grateful that I've been able to be a part of watching him go from point A to to this. And because of your medical background, you're going to have an appreciate a deeper appreciation for that than most people are going to. So from that standpoint, how do you process this? And I know like it's you know, you said what you saw about when you go back to the injury, it would be hard to think that, but you went through with this journey. So how do you process this just from a medical standpoint? I think, uh, you know, it was an evolution because again, seeing how incapacitated Alex was when he came out of the hospital and just weakened his right. body, having to fight the infection first and foremost, uh, the only thing, if I put my physical therapy hat on, because that's what I am, a physical therapist, and and you're really, when you're working with a patient, it's all about setting goals. And so you you make the goals in line with what's uh, appropriate at the time. And the goals for Alex and, and Seth Blee, who was part of the documentary, who is a physical therapist who worked with Alex throughout these many months. I mean, he started working with him when he was bedbound, when he first came home. And those goals were get up and walk to the bathroom. Uh, I mean, that's how basic right. they were. And so you're not thinking in terms of return to sports goals. You know, if you have an athlete who tears their ACL, for example, you you know assuming you have sort of the routine procedure surgery rehab when the athlete comes in on day one they're still struggling to walk they're barely you know they're just starting to get weight on their right. leg and you know that the goals are very basic you want to get this range of motion you want to get the strength back but you're thinking about ultimately this is an athlete who's going to return to play in alex's case you knew what he did for a living but he was so far removed from that, that was not really in the picture as a goal. And and for him, right. uh, part of helping a patient be successful is you want to make the goals uh, hopefully obtainable. And so breaking it down into these small goals was, I think, something that was really helpful for Alex as an athlete, because that mindset is, well, if I do this, then what do I get to do next? If I do this, then what right. do I get to do next? And so after he started making progress to the point where he could actually do some weight bearing exercise, even when he was in that external fixator. And when we went down to San Antonio and consulted with the military folks down there, and he saw people who had injuries like him, uh, who by the way, are elite athletes because they're service members who are trained for combat. And right. so he had, a, there was a lot of relatability for him and to, these are athletes who've been through similar th things and are getting back to their life. And he touched a football for the first time and you just sort of saw this light go on. And I think at that moment I thought, wow, he's actually thinking about football, but it still seemed a long ways away. But then as months right. went on and he was doing more and all that video that you saw sort of interspersed throughout the, the piece of him exercising uh, with the fixator then without it and pushing sleds and doing all this weight training and conditioning, you're going, he's actually starting to look like an athlete now and like a guy right. who's recovering from the hospital. And I think that's when I started to believe on the medical side, oh, those goals can be pushed further and further out. He's got a real chance at being able to come back or at least to test it to get that far. 
it, it's amazing. Um, there, one thing I do want to ask you too, because after you know you put out you put out the story, and it feels like half the responses you get back are, "How could he do this? He shouldn't be doing this." What would you tell the people who what their perception of him is, or what their knowledge of it is? You see the injury, you saw the leg, the pictures of the leg. Now you see this. But what would you tell them? Why you know should they or should they not be worried? Well, first of all, I would say this is his journey. You know, it's his journey, his right. experience, and it's very easy. We do this everywhere in life, right? You sort of project what you know and your experience, and you say, "I would right. never do this and such." Well, you know what? For most of us, wouldn't ever be NFL quarterbacks. So, like that's part thing. Correct. You, know, it, you, you just you can't fully relate to him because you are not that and the way someone has to be right. wired to be driven to be an athlete of that caliber and to compete at that level and by the way just look at alex's story i mean he's been knocked off the pedestal a few times and always had to dig right back and i have said many times that if you took another athlete and imposed the same injury upon that athlete I'm not sure that they have the same recovery because there is so much about Alex that I think is responsible for him being able to do what he's done. Right. So I, I think it's unfair for anyone on the outside. And I understand the concern and the apprehension. You saw what right. you saw and you're like, why when you've been given this chance, you're back, you've got these things, why would you risk it again? I go back to San Antonio soldiers wounded in that right. IED blast who had limb salvage procedures much like Alex's what are they training for because they want to be redeployed that's cool right. they want to get back out there I mean and Alex is looking at them going this is I this is I haven't done anything compared to what these folks are doing and so it's always relative to what your own experience is and I think uh when you get to know Alex, you realize he's a smart guy. Uh, he's not. Yes. If he thought that he could not do it, he wouldn't. If he listened to the experts and they said, we do not believe that you've healed to the point where you can take this risk. He might not like to hear that, but he wouldn't do it. You know, he, he will listen to the input that is given. And I think you know, he got clearance from the people who know. Not only um, Dr. West, who's obviously the head team physician there in Washington, but right. Dr. Joe Alderetti, who's the colonel who basically runs the uh, Center for the Intrepid the San, at San Antonio Military Medical Center, who has sent servicemen and women back to uh, the battlefield after similar injuries. And so really he was in a position to evaluate this type of injury that Alex had and the ability for someone to return to a high level of performance following that type of injury. And he felt like he was clear to be uh, restored to all activity. So I think it's all of those things. And it's also between Alex and Elizabeth. You know, she, as we said, went through so much in watching right. what Alex went through when he was not even coherent enough to appreciate what was going on. 
I think if anyone deserves the opportunity to have a few words about whether he uh, should or should right. just go back, it would be her of all people. And, you know, she told me they've had those conversations. Um, she asked a lot of questions of the doctors as well. But she said, you know, this is this is really important for Alex. This is the way he's wired. Of course, she's apprehensive. She doesn't yeah. want to see him get hurt again. But she also understands that because of how much she's accomplished and because this goal is still out there, it wouldn't be fair to say, nope, you just can't do it. Cut it off and have him always wondering. Right. Then he might always he, he would always wonder, what if I had at least tried? And then that could that would be problematic down the line. So uh, it's not to say that um, she won't be sitting there, you know, with her fingers crossed, hoping that there's, you know, that everything goes smoothly. Uh, but you can, she understands his personality and where he's coming from and why trying to do this is so important. And you could see that in the video that in our in our Instagram video with the champagne celebration, what it meant to all of them. But also from a medical standpoint, too, he has that titanium rod in his leg. And I would and we've talked before about this, but I was talking to Joe Theismann about his situation and he wasn't able to come back. And he had a couple of reasons, but he said one difference or one of the difference was he didn't have that titanium rod. Alex does. How much does that make a difference? as far as maybe even just feeling better mentally, knowing that a leg is protected. It's huge. It's, it's huge. And it's huge for the orthopedic surgeons as well. Because, you know, if you look around the NFL, and I know you know this, but people might not be aware, this, this is common now, uh, fairly. When you have, I should say, not common in terms of the frequency of the injury. It's not like people are breaking legs left and right. But the standard of practice now for these type of fractures is titanium rods being put in and you see guys come back to play routinely after that. And there's not a lot of hand wringing. I mean, for that person, their family, perhaps, you know, just in their own conversations, but you right. know, the public's response is not what we're seeing here where people are so concerned, but what people saw was the soft tissue loss and all of that around it. So, um, it was important for the medical team to clear Alex based on the healing of the bone and that they all felt better because there is that titanium rod in place. So that step of adding the rod, which happened, you know, much, much later, because you had to go through getting clear of all the infection because all that hardware came out after the initial infection. And then, and then that's why the external fixator and then had to wait and wait and wait. And the decision was to then reinforce uh, that tibia with the rod. And so now they feel really good about the leg. And it's just a question of, given the soft tissue loss that he had, can he perform the functions of a quarterback to the satisfaction of the coaching staff who will want to see him move around? And that's, that's why it was so important to get to this next step, right? Because you have to get into the right. practice mode to now see, can you function at the top level in formal football practice as opposed to being just on the side? And let's not forget, there's a, a mental aspect to this too, which is that you can't replicate it when you're working on the side or you're doing individual work. This injury happened at, in a collapse of the pocket in a pass rush situation and he takes a sack. What happens when he feels the threat 
of somebody coming towards him. That you have to simulate those things the best you can, just working with your 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 defensive group. Um, but you never really get the chance to fully experience that until you're out on the playing field. But he hasn't even been able to practice with other teammates be playing opposite him. You know, to know how it feels to just have traffic around you after an injury. Like, right. That's so those big. things are going to now come into play. And it's part of the test of can I function in this environment and how well do I perform? And Alex is so smart. He knows all these steps have to happen, but he also knows that he's doing everything he can right now. And so now he's like, okay, done. You know, these boxes are checked in order to know if I can proceed, yeah. got to go to the next steps. And Stefania, that's, you know, I'll ask you one more thing with on that too, and I appreciate your time, but that is the one concern is can he protect himself? And I think the hard part this preseason is no preseason games and less legitimate practice time to really know. Do you, just from what you know about this sport, what you know about the medical profession, is there enough time for him to show that? Do you, do you think, will he be, do you have confidence that he'll be able to show that? I hope so. I hope that scenarios for him. I'm sure that they will do the best of their ability to replicate that, but there's just simply no way you hit the nail on the head. There are a lot right. of pluses to not having preseason games when we look at it from a health perspective. No, the main COVID-19 right. yeah. era, this is less exposure. You know, you don't have a, a foreign group in other words another team there's no travel like you're taking those factors out so it's very uh helpful with respect to the COVID-19 and with respect to musculoskeletal injuries you know guys are not playing in that high contact environment so some of those contact injury risks or even non injuries where guys are trying to escape defenders you know everything is reactionary when you're playing against an opponent that's not just your teammate on the other side. Uh, so you're not getting a chance to work at that top-notch game speed, game level, uh, true reaction where somebody, you know, in the, as you well know, there's no red knot contact jersey when you're out there playing a real game. And so no, there's it's not. going to be hard to actually replicate that. But I, I believe they will do everything they can to try and simulate uh, that scenario. And then it's a question for Alex of how comfortable he is. And in, to some degree, it's on the player to basically verbalize what they're experiencing out there, again, in traffic, in a, in a crowd. And then it's also on the, the coaching staff to say, yeah, I. I you know how they can they can spot if somebody's really apprehensive, not moving the way that they need to, too slow on, on the dropbacks to to actually be functional in that situation. So they'll test it. It's not perfect because it's not a real game, but uh, that's yeah. I think they'll have a pretty good idea. Let's put it that way. I think they will too. And and it, it's a it's a remarkable story. And it's funny because that's the one word I keep coming back to is just it's remarkable. And wherever it goes from here. It's it's a remarkable. If it ends if it ends Friday, it's been a remarkable comeback, and so we'll we'll see where it goes. But 
it'll it'll be fun to watch now that he that you know I, I know it'll be fun to watch just from a football standpoint. This is unique. We're watching a historical situation develop here with him. So it'll be fun to watch. So Stefania, I appreciate you joining oh, well, me. Thanks for having me. Look, we all need something inspirational in these times. We're looking for positive things. We're looking for somebody to inspire yeah. us. And I, I, I don't think you have to look anywhere beyond Alex Smith and what he's done. It, it really is remarkable, like you said, and, and everything is icing on the cake for him now. He's already accomplished so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Stefania. Thank you, John. After this break, I'll be back with Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Is there a legitimate quarterback competition brewing? He douses that one with a big bucket of cold water. By the way, you can follow Michael on Twitter at MichaelPRTD. When I grill or cook in the kitchen, I usually like to grind my spices fresh. The ones I make at home just taste better. But I've changed my strategy up a bit to use Dizzy Pig Craft Seasonings. Based in Manassas, Virginia, they grind their spice combinations daily, and it's easy to see why they've built a loyal following over the past 20 years. Dizzy Pig owner Chris Capel has won 15 championships on the Pro Barbecue Tour using only their products. And I've heard from other pitmasters on the barbecue tour that insist on Dizzy Pig. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Among the ones I've really enjoyed, the Raging River and Wonderbird, both are excellent on chicken. The Cow Lick is amazing on beef, and their popular Dizzy Dust is truly all-purpose. But with 27 different blends, there's a seasoning for just about any recipe or cooking technique. Get 20% off your online order shipped in the U.S. if you use the coupon KIME, that's K-E-I-M, at DizzyPigBBQ.com. That's D-I-Z-Z-Y Pig BBQ.com. Now I'm joined by America's podcast guest, Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Michael, thank you for joining me. And I wasn't planning to do this podcast, but as usual with this team, there's news. This one just happened to be of the positive variety. How surprised were you, are you, that we're at this point with Alex Smith? Stunned. I'm going to be stunned at every single point along the way. I will be stunned when I, I was stunned when he came back into the building. I was stunned when he got off of the, out of the wheelchair and into crutches. Uh, stunned when he came to join the team. Stunned now that he's with the team and, and whatever's coming next. I'm I, I must be a fool because I'm still betting against it. But man, it, it has been inspiring to watch. It has been. And I think, um, and I had Stefania Bell on and she was talking about from a medical perspective, but just from a football perspective, I mean, you know, we know how this game is. We saw the injury. We've seen the leg. I mean, you know, we haven't been there every step of the way with him to see how he's doing it. What's your level of concern with him being out there? Do you have, are you going to be turning your eyes when, when there's pressure beaten down on him in practice or anything? You know, certainly the one thing working for him is that he's a quarterback, so he's kind of afforded more protections than the average folks. Um, I think back to talking to Reuben Foster last week uh, when we talked to him and his comeback, and he was talking about how he's still not fully confident, like the confidence isn't really right. there for him. And it will get there. 
it will get there with practice. It will get there with reps. Um, but you talk to running backs coming off of ACL tears. Can they trust that leg? Can they can they pivot on it? Can they juke on it? And I this is just an order of magnitude higher than those problems that then those guys coming back that the amount of confidence you need to get back there and take that first hit i'll, I'll cringe when the first hit happens uh you know and i i think that we're building to a point here where he wants to do that um you know it's yeah. gonna be tough for me to watch i can't imagine going through it but he is wired differently than the rest of us and uh you who who are we to tell him what's possible and not possible yeah, and I mean, he is wired differently. But so you, you know, you stay, you're still, you still have those doubts. Why do you still have those doubts? I'm probably because I watched the documentary and I saw the, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, dude looked like one of those hams they carve up for you, you know, like it, it, it was, yeah. it, he was missing a lot of leg. And then they tell you yes, about all was. the body parts that they took out of him to reconstruct the leg. Um, and, and modern medicine's amazing. But, you know, just, just watching that, you, you would say like, that's a guy who, who's really lucky to walk, which he is, uh, and, and yet he keeps pushing the envelope. And uh, I'll, I'll keep cringing, but, man, I, I keep cheering it on because I, I posted earlier, to me, he is the comeback player of the year this year in the NFL, even if he doesn't take Absolutely. a single snap. Absolutely, and I, I, I would agree with that. So you're not sitting there at this point thinking we're going to see a quarterback competition this year, I, in, this summer I, involving him. Yeah, I, I just feel like, you know, and the things we're talking about him doing, you know, we're talking about him being with position groups now, um, you know, your starting quarterback in week one is not the guy you're talking about working out with a position group right now. You know, we're right. we're less than a month from the season. Those would be big steps to take. I think I think Alex Smith wants to be on a football field eventually, wants to be a quarterback eventually. I don't know if that time is this year or not. Sure feels like this is a 2021 goal. Uh, but he has taken those steps towards it. And I, I would also add this really love Dwayne Haskins' answers when he's asked about it. Yeah, you, he's rooting for Alex. He embraces it. Yeah. Uh, we've all seen quarterback rooms with tension, uh, and this is not one of them. No, it's not. I think that's a good point. So, I mean, because I also think that I know that they've had a good relationship, he and, he and Dwayne. I also know that him just being there as a player is different than him being there when he was on IR, when he was more of a coach. How much can he help Dwayne? And Kyle, I'm going to throw Kyle Allen there too, because he's young too. But you know, let's face it, Dwayne is the is supposed to be the guy now in the future. How much do you think he can help him, and where? Well, you know, I I think that being in his ear last year was helpful, and and now I, I would say the things that Alex does are things that Dwayne has started doing. And we talk about Dwayne's great off season, and you know, I, I think everybody you talk to agrees this was a very positive off season for him. Right. The things about coming into the building early, being assertive, being a leader, uh, you know, all those things that we really felt he had to work on and he, he has worked on them. Those are all things Alex Smith is very good at. Um, so certainly having another guy to, to just have, have be that example and be that guy coming in early and, you know, staying late and, and mastering the offense. And, and I think Alex Smith is a guy who you talk about, he's mentally, ready to go he knows this offense he knows this style of play uh very little adjustment for him to the new regime as far as that goes so uh, he's a guy who Dwayne can watch in terms of what if he's taking reps you say what decision is he making it was probably the right decision let's break it down right do you do you have any doubts that Dwayne Haskins will be the quarterback or what or let me ask you this what do you want to see from him to to show that he should be the starter I have no doubts that Dwayne Haskins will be the starter week one 
against Philadelphia. I, I think he will get the vote of confidence coming out of camp as a starting quarterback. Uh, you know, I, it, I don't know that he's at the point where you can guarantee it through the season. I, I just think there's too many wild cards at play here. And, I, you know, it, it's a long grind of a season. And we saw him get hurt last year. That's not unusual. You know, guy, guys get hurt over the course of a long season. So certainly you better have somebody ready to go. To, to me, it, he has done everything you could have reasonably asked him to do this offseason. He has improved his body. He has improved his mind. He has improved his habits. Um, everything they could expect of him, he'll do. Now, I always add this caveat. This could fail. He could, he could, he could not make it in the NFL, and and that's right. nothing against him. That's because it's, it's freaking really hard to do this, John. Like <laughs> you know, this there's like ten guys that do this really well in the whole world, right? Um, and there's a lot of guys who put in the time, put in the effort, have the skill, have the talent, and it doesn't click for them. And, and he could be one of them, but but if he doesn't make it in the NFL, it won't be because he didn't put in the work. I think that's what everybody's pleased with is the amount of work he's put in this off season. Uh, he's really chasing after it and chasing after it hard. Now, I'd, I'd be curious, you get to week seven, week eight, and, and Dwayne goes down. I think that's a fascinating question. Who comes running in from the huddle if Alex is cleared at that point? Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> that. Yeah, and listen, we, we've all seen all sorts. Of, after the last couple of years, I'm, no storyline is going to be off limits here. Um, what, we're, we're going out to camp on Tuesday. What do you look, first of all, how weird is this going to be or how odd does it feel that we're not out there yet? What are you looking forward to most seeing? Well, I'll add, I'll add that, you know, we'll, I'll miss having the home field advantage during camp. Yeah. I'll have to trudge it up 95. Um, so, so disadvantage there. I, you know, it's two weeks. It's very intense. I, I feel like, you know, a lot of times camp is is that long, slow march to the season and by the time you get to the season you feel like all the stories are told and all the questions are asked and you're just ready for it to start and that is shoot not the case you know i like to watch the different position groups i like to watch the different guys yeah we're gonna, we're gonna jam pack it all into these two weeks you know i i'm gonna need more practice time to see everything i want to see uh which would be very very unlike the previous camps I, i'm i love to see reuben foster i think he's he's high on my list Bryce Love, a guy who's very high on my list, such yep. a big potential, but also coming back from an injury like that. How could you not want to see Alex and Dwayne, of course? Um, and then these receivers, you know, you're just waiting for somebody, anybody to emerge alongside Terry McLaurin. You know, will it happen in these next two weeks? I, I don't know, but it'll be fun to watch. And that's, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing guys like Steven Sims. How has he developed? Did Jimmy Moreland take another step? Because you hear like those even this offseason, you ask the corners, the defensive backs, well, who's the guy that you – oh, it's Jimmy Moreland. And, you know, so I'm going back to the people's corner because they keep talking about him. So I'm curious to see how those guys develop too. Is there a guy, is there a guy that you have in mind from last year, one of the young guys that maybe you, you want to see? Not, not Obviously not Dwayne, but, you know, anybody <laughs> – I, I echo you on Jimmy Moreland because I think that'll be fascinating. I, I think Kendall Fuller's retransition back in as yes. the guy will be interesting to watch. And, and I'll stick with the secondary. He's not a young guy, but Landon Collins is a guy who I think will do a lot more in this defense. You talk about change of scenery being good for guys. Landon Collins did not live up to his contract last year because nobody on that defense did. They were they were terrible. Huh. But it but it was also a unit that didn't put people and the positions to make the right plays. And, you know, this, this right, is a group that won't have that problem. Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio, you got some pretty smart brains back there making the decisions. I'm very excited to see what Landon Collins is capable of. Will he emerge as a star or was, you know, did we get a peak at a decline last year? I think it could go either way. 
And I think behind this line, if you if they're going to use them a lot more in the box behind this line with what they want to do, I think that's where he could have a lot of fun. Don't he he could have a couple sacks this year. That's not, that's not yeah. out of question for He's got the skill set. Oh, he's a really good blitzer. And so I think there's a lot that I like about his game. So I don't worry about him, but I think he's a guy that you have to use in a specific way to maximize. And a lot of guys are like this, but him in particular to maximize what he can really do. And I also, I also think Michael, what I want to see too, and I don't know that we're going to see this as much. I want, I love those one-on-ones. And it used to be when we're watching those one-on-ones, like, Oh, watch Trent Williams shut down this guy. Watch Trent Williams shut down that guy. Just throwing these guys around. I want to see Chase Young going against those guys to see how, you know, what does he do to them? How does he look against them? And, you know, are we seeing something started something really special with him? So I'm, I'm looking forward to those one-on-one situations. Oh yeah. And I mean, you know, the receivers running a few fade routes too in the one-on-ones, man. That always that always got our big. I hope that I hope that was renewed for another season with the new coaching change. Yeah, everybody loves a good fade route in DC, isn't that true? <laughs> um, but it'll, you know, it'll it'll be it'll be definitely weird just to be out there because we're gonna have there's gonna be no fans, less media. I mean, they're they're taking care of those of us who have been out there every day. We're still able to go out there, but it's going to be very weird to to just be i guess it'll be almost like a regular season practice to be honest in that regard um but you know i'll be at ones with masks on yeah i gotta, gotta bring yeah. around juice you know I, I think i think the fans you know really did help the players get going in, yeah. those, in that long slog towards the season you know you, you get out there people are cheering gives you a little pep in your step you got you got to bring your own pep here but uh uh, I'm excited to see a Ron Rivera practice. Sounds like uh, sounds like we're not going to be bored. No, and I think the other thing, and he brought the, I can't remember who brought it up on one of those Zoom calls we've had, but the tempo. And I think that was one of the things that I've always, people talk about the hitting. To me, it's always about urgency and tempo. And that, I think, is the number one thing that I want to see from his practices is what kind of tempo do they establish? And, I mean, Michael, I always go back to that Patriots practice Richard did not. I mean, it was it was the most telling thing ever, right? It was truly one of the great, like, you know, oh, this is why this team is the way they are, and that's why that team is the way they are. And you know, it's funny because at the time I thought, well, you know, this is their first year, they're establishing it. And then I thought about it some more. I'm like, you establish it now. You don't establish it later. You establish it now. And I think you're right. I think what we saw is is exactly how it played out. That's how that's how that's how it was. Yeah, and you know, I, I think that Ron Rivera's in a good spot and that he doesn't have to promise wins right out of the gate. He can insist, you know, do all those coaching things where he doesn't have to insist, he doesn't have to make compromises to win games. He can insist on it being done his way, even if it costs them in the short term, uh, you know, because he knows he's going to be here for a few more years. Last thing, so going into the, going into the, I'll say like going into the season, we're going into the season, we're going to ask you about the season without even having seen these guys yet. <laughs> But to this point, what are your expectations before we see them? What are your expectations going into this? If I were to put a win number on it, I'd say probably five or six. It, you know, five's probably the, the one I'm hovering on right now. You look at these four NFC West games, they're going to go over four in those games. Like, that's a loaded division. That's a really, <laughs> really, pretty good. really good division. I think the Cowboys and Eagles are clearly a class better than them right yeah. now. You hope to maybe steal one of those four. So there's eight right out of the gate. 
where I would say they are definitely the under a heavy underdog going into those games. Um, but I, I think we will see week to week improvement. I, I think we will see a lot of really great moments, uh, whether it be from Chase Young, right? I think, you know, between McLaurin and Gandy Golden, I think they're capable of some highlight catches. I think Dwayne's capable of giving them a highlight catch ball. You know, we saw a few of those last year where he'd, he'd zing it 40 yards down the field through a knee. He's got that in him. So I, I yep. think there will be moments of sunshine here in, in an otherwise cloudy season. And I listen, I think if they do that and you finish strong and you can build on that in a year where you're not hearing boos and everything at home, I think that would be okay for them. Just to me, finish strong build on that, give people something to look forward to in the future. So we'll see. Be nice to get back out there. Be nice to see everybody in person again. And Michael, as always, thank you for joining me. You can check out Michael's work on the Richmond Times Dispatch. You had a story up about all the lawsuit stuff with Dan Snyder. It's it's a comprehensive look at what's been going on. So you can check that out on richmondtimesdispatch.com. Michael, thank you very much. Always a good time. A couple months ago, I stopped into a store for a sandwich, but it was the smell of the coffee that knocked me over. That's when I fell in love with Lone Oak Coffee. I bought some of their Mexican blend and was happy for the rest of the week. Lone Oak is a small specialty-based coffee roaster company in Winchester, Virginia. They finished ninth in the nation in the U.S. Coffee Roasting Championships in 2017. They have received many awards for their house blend at the world's largest coffee roasting competition. Here's what I love about Lone Oak. They dial in each coffee to fit its best profile, bringing out the natural nuances and highlighting interesting flavors. I'm drinking their Brazilian blend now with a mix of nutty and almond flavors. They have coffees from all over the world. I love their smooth Colombian with hints of cocoa and caramel apple. Go to LoneOakCoffee.com, L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. And when you order, use the code COFFEE2020. That's COFFEE2020. You will receive a 5% discount with free shipping on any orders over $25. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. That's it for this episode. Thank you to ESPN Stefania Bell for her insight on Alex Smith and to Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch for his. Don't forget to visit our sponsors, LoneOakCoffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020. And DizzyPigBarbecue.com. Use coupon KIME, K-E-I-M. Talk to you next time.